0: say it before. Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. Good to be here this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, as Jeff mentioned earlier, you can see that there's an absence up here. Uh, usually we have Maury Clark up here bringing us uh, the word, but he is in Hill City, Kansas this morning. He's chasing his daughters around uh, rodeoing, and I didn't get any specifics this morning, but I did get uh, have a little quick text and conversation with him, asking him how the rodeo was going, he said it was going good, they're excited about the day, so whatever that means, um, but it must be good. So whatever they're doing. So uh, we we miss him when he's here, but it's always, and I say this every time I get to come up here and fill in, it's important for Beecher Island that our our preacher with pastoral duties can go away and get filled. And uh, we come here every Sunday to be filled. Hopefully we take the time during the week <clears throat> getting in our Bible, praying, doing those things to fill ourselves, but we come here on Sunday. To worship the Lord, to to learn, and Corey brings that teaching, and he does an awesome job of it. But it's important for him that he goes someplace uh, away from here and gets out of the gets out of the, um, I guess just the habit of it, or whatever I'm trying to say, to go and get filled himself. So we we uh, are lucky, we're blessed that he can do that. I know it blesses him greatly and his family. So so anyway, you give me again. <laughs> so um, uh, this morning. Um, uh, the message that was really laid on my heart was inspired by my son and earlier this week uh, i was putting him to bed uh, andrea was was off she wasn't home for bedtime doing her thing whatever 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 she was doing where were you at <laughs> it doesn't matter whatever <laughs> anyway she was she was, she was mad and left no she wasn't mad and left. but anyway so i was putting the kids to bed and I got every put down, which that's a, a simple task, no big deal, went into Elliot's bedroom and, and uh, was telling him goodnight, and I was kind of having a short little conversation with Elliot, and I said, hey, uh, so this Sunday, uh, I got the call, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do the teaching this Sunday, I said, what do you think I'm to teach on? And in true Elliot fashion, he goes, I don't know. Thanks for your help, bud. Appreciate that. I said, no, seriously. What, what, what would you? What do you want me to? What do you think I'd preach on? So I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I said, uh, I said, okay, if it were possible, that Jesus Christ Himself were standing right here in the flesh, and you could have a conversation with Him and He'd talk back to you, what is one thing that you would ask Jesus? And He sits there and He thinks for a minute and He says. I'd ask him how many hairs are on my head. <laughs> and then he says, I wonder how many hairs are in your mustache. <laughs> alright, <laughs> well, that's good enough for me. Uh, so anyway, what's cool about that, though, is that Elliot has been around enough to know that there is scripture about the hair on your head. And so I'm like, alright, well I'm going to dive into it. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, uh, so if you have your Bible, with you flip there, as you're flipping there, we're going to go to Him in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you for this amazing, glorious day, this fall day that you've given us. Uh, it's so beautiful, Lord, the, the changing of the season, uh, the the new life that is happening out there, the, the things that are going dormant for the winter, um, just just an amazing array of color and things that you can do, Lord, we we. uh we look at that and see your awesomeness. And God, this morning, um, I just pray that your word comes free and and easy. And, and God, that it can be absorbed by all those who might hear it. Lord, just minister to us and, and let us feel your spirit in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Um, the, the passage that I'm going to read is uh, 24 through 39. But I'm going to do it in a little bit different order than what the Bible has. And so if you have it, I'm going to actually start in, uh, in verse 32. Okay. So verse 32 says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I, also, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. 37 says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. There's a lot of hard teaching. There's a lot of hard scripture to swallow, right here. We think of Jesus, and we think of um, of what He did, why He came here, why He came down on this earth, 100 percent God, 100 percent human, and He came down here, and, and we have it in our heads. We've been preached, we've been taught that He's to bring to bring joy. He's to bring uh, His grace covers everything. He's He's to bring peace on this earth, and and. Um, and we have this idea of who Jesus is, and then we get into this scripture right here, and we get down there just a little ways, and uh, he says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. <laughs> and he says it twice in that verse, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And I think around Christmas time, we're sending all these greeting cards out, these Christmas cards to, to everyone it says joy or joy and peace and love and all these things, and, and that Jesus did and yet he can come to us right here and say that he didn't come to bring peace; he came to bring a sword. And so for a little while I pondered on that. I thought, "Man, Lord, that is hard teaching. Like that's in the Bible. That's not my words. That's that's what he's saying right there. Like, what what are you what are you trying to tell me?" And as we go on further, it says he came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. And I know. That, that as a Christian as someone who has come to Christ uh, I've experienced things about my family that has tore us apart because of this book right here because of what is in this book because of the truth that's in this book and we would love I mean we're called there's there's scripture that tells us as men how we <laughs> were to raise our kids and how we were to uh, take care of our own household and and for him to come and say that that he came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother Paul, that's not always what we're taught. He goes on to say, He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We're taught all of our lives. We're supposed to be a family, right? You have a family. You settle down. You you have brothers. You have sisters. You have mom and dad. You have kids. And you're supposed to love someone else more than them. We're taught all of our life that we're supposed to... I mean, everything that I do, I lean into my folks, I lean into my dad, I want, I want, I want uh, advice, I want wisdom, I lean into him. But he's saying, if you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. Man, it's, it's hard teaching, it's stuff that you've got to dig through and you find out in your heart. But one thing that I know, and I, and I know that the answer in my heart, is the fact that Jesus is Lord. What he came down and he lived this life for. And He's died on the cross for our sins. And when we have Him, and we know that we have the assurance of the Jesus Christ in our heart that God sent down here. And when we know that we have that, it changes the worldly meaning of all this stuff that I just talked about. You see, He came on this earth not to bring peace to the world that He knows. And it's taught to us in the Bible. That Satan, he's the head of the world. That guy's... He's he's running rampant in this place. He's ahead of it, and Jesus knows that. You know what? He didn't come to make everybody happy. He didn't come here to make sure that everybody got along. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't. There's people that there's there's turmoil all the time on this earth. But he came to bring a sword, and the sword is the word, and the word is Jesus. We can look in in. In the Gospel of John, we can look at 1 John, and and they talk about the Word. The Word came down here in the flesh. The Word came down here in the flesh. The Word was Jesus. He came down here in the flesh. It says elsewhere uh, that the Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can cut deep. And so he He brought the Word. He brought the sword. And it has the truth in it. And sometimes there's people that don't like the truth. There's people that have never heard the truth. There's people that, that hear the truth and they want to turn from it anyways. And Jesus knows that. And I sometimes think about how blessed we are to be here in the United States of America when you think of what you see on the news over there in Afghanistan, what's going on, or, or other nations, third world countries, and they're persecuting Christians. They're lopping their heads off left and right because they're Christians. And, and we think just because we're Christians and we're immune from anything like that, those people are living and they're dying and they're, they're, they're going through the things that, that worry us that this all talks about. He came not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. And this is our sword. And when we have this sword in our hand, when we have this scripture, when we have the word of God in our hand, we have it in our hearts and we study it and we know it. It's a tool that we can use. And and when he goes on to say that he brings to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, I've I've witnessed a little bit of that in my own life with my own family. Because I've come to the Lord and I know Him, but maybe there are certain people in my family that haven't come to the Lord yet. And for a time, it puts up a boundary. It puts up a barrier. And you can't have conversations that you wish you could have. Maybe some of you have the same thing in your lives too, that you know the Lord You know, or or maybe you were someone who didn't know the Lord before and and someone else from your family didn't know the Lord and it causes a little bit of grief. It causes a little bit of tension. But you know what? If we keep working at that, and I'm blessed because because as I keep working at it with the family that I have, and get them to know the Lord a little bit more, we're not set against each other anymore. And they know the truth just as much as I do. Now they have that sword. But It does happen. And when it says that he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know what? When we have Jesus, when we know that we can lean into him no matter what we do. No matter where we're at on this earth. No matter where our heart is at the time. Where our brain is at the time. No matter what we're doing on this earth. When we have Jesus, we can always lean into him. We can always love on him. He always has the answers. He will comfort us. He will take care of us better than your mother or your father ever will. And I pray that that Elliot and Emory can love Jesus more than they love me. Because when they have Jesus, they have it all. And so it's a hard teaching to begin with. But when we can understand what Jesus is to us, what He is, we can lean into Him. We can love Him more than that. He who does not take His cross and fall out for me is not worthy of me. He who has found His life will lose it. And he who has lost His life for my sake will find it. Again, that's another hard teaching. He's saying, lose your life. For me, it's like, I don't, I don't want to lose my life. Well, when you come to the Lord and realize what He can do for you, it's not a big deal to lose your life, because you gain everything when you lose your life for Jesus. So there's these hard teachings. There's these things in this passage uh, that are hard teachings. And it takes a lot of digging and figuring out what what He's trying to say in there. We can go into that. We can, die. We can preach a month of Sundays on this on these things right here and what it means to each and every one of us and, and, and where we can... Where, what we can glean and where we can go from there. Uh, but you know what? One thing that just kind of got to me was sometimes we need a hard teaching. Sometimes we need something that hits us sideways. It's a, it's a glancing blow that we don't understand at first so that we can understand how important it is to understand how important we are to God. We need, we need hard teaching so we can understand how important it is to understand how important you are to God. Let that sink in for a minute. As you think about that, we're going to go back up to to verse 24. I'm going to read read, uh, 24 through 31. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house, bees of old, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. I tell you what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim it upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Good stuff. Good stuff in there. I'm going to tell you, so this, this passage in, in my Bible, it's an NASB, the one that I'm reading out of at the beginning of the passage, this is not scripture, it's just the people of the NASB wrote this heading that says, the meaning of discipleship. And I'll tell you that in, in chapter 10... Um, at, at, on verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So when we read this passage right now, we know that Jesus is sitting there with his 12 disciples, the ones that he called. And those ones, the names of those 12 apostles, there was Simon, there was Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. There were these 12 men that were sitting there when he was teaching this, this scripture, when he was talking about this right here. Um, and so when we get to this this part where this meaning of discipleship, and we study it and we dive into it, can we ask the question, does that, does that speak to me? Is that something that I can learn from? Or was that only to his 12 disciples? And I know we've had this conversation in Sunday school here before, I don't know, it's probably been close to a year ago, I suppose, we, we had the discussion of what's the difference between a believer and a disciple? And we even got into apostles a little bit. What's the difference between an apostle, a disciple, and a believer? And we had this long discussion. And I'm going to tell you right now that uh, if you go back to the Greek word disciple, it just it means a student, it means a pupil of a teacher. So if we are believers, if we are believers, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in God, that He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, down here to this earth, and He came to save the world, not to condemn it. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, if we believe that Jesus was ascended, back into heaven and He went before us to prepare a place for us because His Father has many mansions. He's going to go and prepare a place for us. If we believe those things, if we know that to be true, if we have that deep in our heart, we know that we have Jesus right here. If we are a believer, does that not mean that we're a student? If you're a true believer, do you not want to know more about God? If you're a true believer, do you not want to dive into your Bible just a little bit more? You're sitting here in church today because you're wondering maybe you learn something about God. You get to hang out with other people that know about God. Maybe they don't know as much about God, but you at least get a get a fellowship with them and talk with them. And and to be a believer is to want to know more. And so, if that's what a believer is, I would say that that probably means that's what a disciple is. And at this point right here, I was thinking, uh, I was looking at, at, at Matthew 10 in the beginning of it. as you read through that, he is giving specific instructions to his 12 disciples. Later on, it calls them apostles. He's giving specific instructions to them saying, you are going to go out into the world. You're going to go out there into these towns. You're going to preach. You're going you're to um, heal. You're going you're to, uh, I don't know, he, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. He was charged. He said, hey, You guys, you're my twelve, you're the ones that God gave me, and, and I've gathered you up over this amount of time, you're going to go out there and you're going to do all this stuff. And he goes on and warns them, he's going to say, it's going to be a hard road. There's going to be stuff you're not going to like, it's going to get uncomfortable a little bit, but he's telling them this. But then in chapter 24, I feel like he switches gears just a little bit, because you see, those disciples were also given the same great commission that we all were in chapter 28, it says, go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. That's what these guys were doing. And so he's like, you know what a disciple is? This is what I'm going to tell you what a disciple is. And the meaning of a disciple. And so he gives him the scripture that I read this morning. The meaning of a disciple. And the first thing he says about a disciple is, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. So as a disciple, a student is not above his teacher. How many times, I can't count on one hand, I guarantee you, I can count on two hands. How many times I went to the Lord in prayer. And I said, God, I sure would appreciate it if you'd keep me healthy. I sure would appreciate it if you would give me some rain. I sure would appreciate it if we'd get lots of tons of hay. I sure would appreciate it if we'd get lots of bushels of wheat. I sure would appreciate it if we had 600, 700 pound calves this fall. Would you do that for me, God? Would you do that for me? It's like I'm putting myself above Jesus. He's the teacher. Instead of going to Him and saying, Lord, what can I do for you? How many times? I've done that. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody to raise a hand. But when you go to prayer and when you go to talk to Jesus, are you telling Him what to do? Are you telling the teacher what to do? Or are you asking what you can do for Him? A disciple is not above His teacher. Now I will say, it does say in Scripture, that we, uh, we are to pray and He will give us uh, the, de- sorry, thank you, <laughs> the desires of our heart if we ask for it in His name. Are you asking for it in his name? Just a question for yourself. But a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It goes on in verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. I feel like Jesus is telling the disciples right now, all of us right here. Get off your rear end. (laughs) You're one of mine. You believe in me? Be like me. As I think about what Jesus is and who he is, I'm like, oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Jesus, he's, he's a, he can go out there. He can, he can heal the blind. He can heal the sick. He can uh, cleanse people just like he was telling his disciples to do. He raised, raised people from the dead. That's what Jesus can do. i like, man, there ain't no way. There ain't no way I can be like Jesus, my teacher. But what is Jesus? Jesus loved, Jesus prayed. Jesus forgave. Jesus taught, Jesus preached. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus lived again. He was resurrected. Is it that hard for us to be like our teacher? We're called to be like him. He was sinless. Is that possible? No. <laughs> We're all sinners. we all fall short of the glory of God. But if we continue to strive to be like him, that's what the teachings about. We're a student of His. He's teaching us. He wants us to be like him. You can be a believer and you can sit there, and that's—I'm not telling you that's wrong. You believe, you know Jesus, you have got him in your heart, and uh, and you know you've got you're, you're on you're on the way to heaven. You you feel that because you know that. If that's all you do, at least you have that. I'm not saying that, that that that's a that's awesome. You're saved. That's awesome. But if you are, he's saying, be like your teacher. Be like me. So is it enough? I ask you today. Is it enough for you to be like Jesus? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Jesus is saying it is enough to be like your teacher. To become like your teacher. Tell you what, it's pretty easy to fail. I know that. I've done that plenty. But We keep leaning into Him. We keep asking Him how to do it. We keep asking him, Lord, what do you want from me? What can I do for you today? We'll get there. He'll get us there. He'll get us there. Uh, It says, if they have called the head of the house visible, how much more will they malign the members of his household? And I I got a little bit caught up right there. Because I thought, hold on just a second. Now, he's talking about disciples. And all of a sudden, he switches gears. And he says, if they have called the head of the house visible, how much more will they malign the members of this household? Uh, well he can't be talking about he can't be talking about the disciples because when he talk about visible, he's talking about Satan. He's talking about Satan. And, and, and every reference to that obviously goes to Satan. And so said if they have called the head of the house visible, he's not talking about disciples. But what I thought was kind of cool is this is almost a little bit of prophecy because if you flip over, well, uh, in chapter 12, um, Verse 22, it talks about Jesus. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus and healed him. So the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man casts out demons only by visible, the ruler of the demons. And he knows this is coming. He knows that there are people out there, these Pharisees, which were supposed to be like the most righteous, the most religious, the smartest people of the time, they knew the law, front and back, they knew how many laws there was, and how to, how to take care of all those laws, and what you're supposed to be doing, and how you're not supposed to sin, and all these things, they're, they were the best, like they were the, the head honchos of that time. And he's saying, them people are going to accuse me of being from Satan. And so if they're accusing me of being from Satan, then how much more will everybody that's under them, that follow them, also be driven off course, also be driven off the tracks? And he's saying, you know what? They're out there. And if they've called the the head of this house that God has made visible, how much more will they they screw everyone else up that's out there? So be careful. Be careful out there. He says in verse 26, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed. There is nothing hidden that will not be known. I think these Pharisees were thinking that there's something behind this, there's something that we're not seeing. There's something that, that just seems a little fishy about this Jesus guy, this guy that can come and he's, and he's perfect and, he, and he, he performs these signs and these miracles and these wonders and he loves and, and he doesn't ask for nothing else in return other than just to believe in him. There's got to be something else there, but he's saying there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed. Or hidden that will not be known. I believe in this time right here that as he was talking to his the twelve disciples, he was saying, You know what? We're in this time right now. In, in the not too distant future, they're gonna march me down, they're, they're gonna beat me, they're gonna hang me on a cross for everyone's sins, and I'm gonna be in the grave for three days, and then I'm gonna be resurrected. And and he's telling them that there's some stuff that's gonna happen. It's gonna be revealed. Nothing is gonna be concealed. And in that time, I think those 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 uh those disciples, that's what they needed to hear. But what what about us today? We're disciples sitting right here in this church, in these pews. What is concealed that won't be revealed? Well, I'll tell you, there's still some prophecy that hasn't happened yet. We can flip to the back of our Bibles in the, in the book of Revelation. There's a whole book full of stuff that, that, that He hasn't come back yet, And He's going to come back. And it's not concealed. It will be revealed. And it's going to happen. He gave us everything that we needed to know right here in this book. Nothing is concealed that won't be revealed. Nothing is hidden that won't be known. He gives us everything that we need. There's a, there's a verse in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Um, let me find it real quick. I just happened across it the other day, which I, just, I think is so, so neat. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. Now, I haven't done a lot of research on that particular verse, but what I'm saying is, the, what I kind of got out of that is everything we need to know Everything we need to know as humans, everything we need to know as disciples of Jesus is, is given to us, right here. That's everything that we need to know. And we can use our brains, we can use our hearts, we can dive into it and, and go find more and, and grow our faith and grow in the faith to go find that. But it's all there. It's all there. We need to trust in that, that God has it all figured out. Twenty seven says, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And again, as he's talking to his 12 disciples, I'm sure that there's times that they sat around in a circle. And maybe they're by a fire, maybe they're in a house or reclining eating together or something like that. And he's saying, what I tell you in the darkness, what I tell you when we're by ourselves, go and tell it to the world. If I whisper something in your ear, I want you to go to proclaim it among the housetops. And you know what, I thought about that even more. There's a lot of darkness in this whole world. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of despair. And you know what? Even for a guy like me who is I'm kind of a half glass, half-full kind of guy. I like to be positive. I like to I like to spread his light. I like to be happy. But you know what? This was a long summer. I'll stand right up here and tell you, it was a long summer. There was there was a lot. There was a lot going on. And and all of this, these things that that the Lord has blessed me with the, the extra hay that we're putting up, the extra farm ground that we have, and I'm out there in a the tractor, and I'm not getting on the horses like I want to get on the horses. I don't get to go hang out with my family like I want to get, like I, like I want to go hang out with them because God gave me all that stuff. And for a while there it was this place of darkness. But sometimes it's in that darkness that the Lord does speak to us. When we're, when we're riding high, we're on top of the mountain and everything's hunky-dory. We will not need God. Right? I mean, shoot, I got this handle. Don't worry about it. But, but there are things that He reveals to us in the darkness. Where That's where testimonies are born. You hear all these crazy testimonies about people who are in prison or on drugs or, or you know, just doing, they're just deep in the middle of sin and they come up out of that because they were in the darkness and they let the Lord speak to them and they can come back out of that and they can... They can Bless other people and encourage them by what they've done and what the Lord did to them. you have know, people like me that I don't really have that wild, extravagant of a testimony. Praise God. But in that time, he's still, I, I, there's still darkness. There's still things that, 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 that happen to us in our lives that we cannot control. And it is in those times that Jesus will speak to us. If we open up our ears. If we have ears, the ears that we will hear will open, open our hearts so that we can hear Him. Speak in the light. Last night, last night, I was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to say today. And uh, I was out in the leather shop and I was kind of going through some things and Andrea and the kids were inside obviously and it, it was getting kind of late so I came inside and Andrea just crashed out on the couch because she's pregnant apparently. And tired. <laughs> <laughs> and so I walked in, and I said, hey, I'm going to go to bed. She said, okay, I'll be there in a minute. So as I went to bed, uh, I just, sometimes when I pray, I just, I feel called. I feel this 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 feeling that just says, get on your knees. And it, it started to happen more and more, which is awesome. And so I did. I just got down beside my bed, and I got on my knees, and I started praying. And as I thought, as I started praying, I started thinking, um, There's a lot of people in the Bible, when they had an encounter with God, that they would fall prostrate. I was just reading in Daniel that Daniel saw this being that looked like the Son of Man, that his face was glowing white. And Daniel was scared, but he fell on his face. I mean, he was face down in submission to God. And as I was on my knees, I was like, I don't feel like I'm low enough. And so I did, I got on my belly, this might sound weird to you guys, but I got on my belly and I was, I was praying, I'm like, Lord, there is no one, you are the only one that is worthy of praise, you are the only one that is worthy of praise, and as I'm, as I'm praying, I'm thinking, God, There's, there's been a lot this summer, and, and it's kind of slowing down, and I thank you for that, I thank you for all these blessings. And, and Lord, I've been trying to take all this stuff on my own, and I know that I can't do it. You gave it to me. I've prayed for this stuff, and it's happened. And now all of a sudden, it's like I prayed for the world, and you gave it to me. And I'm like, oh, now I don't want it. No, I can't be like that. I'm like, Lord, I, I know that you can make it fit. I know that you can help me to figure out how to, how to divide up my time to do what I need to do. And I got quiet for a second. I quit praying, and I heard something whispered in my ear. You know what the Lord said to me? There's a question. He said, are you ready to come back yet? And I was like, whoa. All this time, all this, this whole summer, I've been worried about me. I've been worried about the things that I'm doing. I've been worried about how I'm going to do things right, how I'm going to take care of things that are on my place, on my ranch, take care of my mother-in-law's stuff, all at the same time. And I prayed, yeah, I prayed. I I would come to him like, Lord, I I don't feel like I ever left you. But when he was the one that said, are you ready to come back to me yet? I was like, all right, God. Yeah, it's time time. I should have been doing this all along. I should have been falling down prostrate on my face and praising you for what you've done for me and trusting you that you're going to get it done. And so today I'm telling you that. Something was whispered in my ear. and I'll proclaim it to you because it's something that the Lord spoke to me. As we go on it says, Do not fear those who kill the body who are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's a lot of times in the Bible that it tells us to fear the Lord. I had a question about that the other day. A young man asked me, what is, what's that supposed to mean? Why are we supposed to fear the Lord? Well, in this situation, it's a reverence, a reverent respect for the Lord. I mean, <laughs> you just got to understand the Lord can do just about whatever He wants. He, he will, and He can. And what's awesome about that is He, he says, don't feel the fear of those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. And just like I was talking about those folks who are in Afghanistan, right now in several third world countries that are getting persecuted For those things. He's saying don't fear them. I don't It might be coming one of these days right here. And we're not to fear that. But we are to fear God. Who can destroy both the soul and the body. And you know what? What I've learned. Is to fear him. In a reverent respect like that. To fear him. Excuse me. Is to love him. And to understand his love for us. Because, right, that's a, again, that's kind of a tough teaching. It's like, man, I don't, I don't want to fear you. You're the amazing God. You're the God that's supposed to comfort me. You're the God that's the, all the good things, that, but, but I'm supposed to fear you. And he's, he's saying, well, yeah, if you come to me, this is what God's saying, if you come to me, if you seek me with all your heart and all your mind and all your spirit, you come to me, and you come and find me, you believe in me? You believe that I sent my son Jesus Christ to come down there and die for your sins? If you believe these things, there is nothing to fear because I've got a spot for you up here. I've got a spot for you and I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you life in abundance abundant while you're there on that earth and I'm going to give you life everlasting while you're here with me. There is nothing to fear. But for those who don't believe, you better be fearful. And I'm not saying this To scare you out of heaven. I'm not saying this to scare you into hell. This is a hard teaching. But it's in the Bible and and, and that's what it says. And and, and if you hear that this morning, whether you're here in this building or here online, uh, if you hear that this morning and you're thinking, well, you know what? If that's the kind of God that that is, then I'm just not going to believe in Him. I'm going to tell you this right now. Just because you don't believe in God don't mean He ain't real. He is real. Just because you don't believe in God don't mean He ain't right there. So fear Him but respect Him and love Him. There's nothing to fear after we come to Him, after we pro- proclaim Him. It is good stuff. In verse 29 it says, are not two sparrows sold for a sin, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. I didn't do a lot of research into this, but what I'm thinking is your penny can buy two sparrows. You get a two for one. You get a two for to go buy two sparrows. Sparrows are small, they're insignificant. They're not important. And and this is like I said, I haven't done any research exactly on this, but I know that people could go to uh, buy animals to sacrifice for their sin. And if they didn't have an animal of their own, they could go and they could buy a goat, or they could buy a, a lamb, or they could buy a, you know different things. If they didn't have enough money for that, they could go buy a, go buy a dove because they were cheaper. So possibly that might be what that means. That a sparrow. They, if that's all you can afford, that's all you can afford. They're very insignificant. There's not much there. You can buy two of them for a cent. And he's saying, if we'll, he, he says, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. What he's saying is he has so much control over this world. He is it's so deep into every little thing that's going on in this world that if a sparrow, an insignificant, unimportant sparrow, can fall to the ground, that God is there. He's going to be right there. And it goes on to say, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. The very hairs on your head are numbered. We think about God. We think about how amazing He is. We can go back to Genesis chapter 1 and see where He made the earth, where He made the animals, where He made the, the rivers and the lakes and the big mountains and the big deserts. And the, and the seas, and, the, and the, the whales, and all these things. We go out there, and we just we just stand in awe, and the, and the fall colors that, that we get to see God out there. And, and we, we think about the stars, and the sky, and the planets, and, and how far those things go out, and how, how big God is, and how he's made all of these things that are so awesome and so big. And then the, here it comes to this. It says, even the hairs on your head are numbered. The the most insignificant thing about a human being, your hair, you can cut it and it doesn't have any feeling. You You can twist it around, you can braid it, and it doesn't hurt anything, right? It's the most insignificant part of what God made you for. And even that, the smallest thing that you have on your body is numbered by God. God cares about you so much that He numbered the hair on your head. When He says that He numbered that, I believe You can walk into a stadium somewhere and you have your little ticket. When you go to a concert or go to a football game or something, and it says that you have a seat, right? It it, it has your seat numbered. It has already been numbered. All you have to do is go there. It's not like it's getting numbered as you're walking into the stadium. It has already been done. My belief is that God numbered the hairs on your head before the world was created. He knew the future. He knew what he, he knew you. He knew he, he had a plan for you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God the Father. And he cares about you so much. The smallest part of you he has figured out. He is a number. He cares so much about you. Are you not much more valuable than some sparrows? Are you much more valuable than many of the That is our God. That is our God. And like I said before in this passage, there's some very hard teaching. Sometimes that hard teaching is so that we can understand how important it is that we understand how important we are to our God. And He wants you. He wants you. He wants you as His disciple. I'm going to invite the music team Back up here. Uh, You know, uh, sometimes I feel like when I was first, when I first came to Christ. I was a small boy, I thought I had it figured out and I was ramped up and I was ready to roll. And then for a long period of my time, my life, I just kind of put God by the wayside. I let Him... I let him hang out over there. I knew he was there. I trusted him. I believed in him. But I was just kind of hanging out in my own little world. And when I made the decision a couple years ago, to, I need to follow him. He's called me. He wants me to do stuff for him. It was the most amazing feeling. It was the most amazing feeling. And I did not have any idea what it was going to look like. I was scared to death. But I trusted in the Lord. And maybe you're there right there right now. Maybe maybe you have just came to Christ. Maybe He's just entered your life. Maybe you've just invited Him in, and you are currently saved. And, and you have that this is amazing, overwhelming feeling. And you know what He says to become like Him. So I ask you right now to just pray to Him, God. If there's something. There's something that you want me to do. If there's something that you want me to do for my kingdom, for your kingdom, let me know about it. How can, how can I do that and be open? Have your ears open. But if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, today is the day. Jesus came down here because God loved the world so much. He, he gave his only begotten Son. Not to, not to condemn the world, but to save it. He came down here and lived this life. <laughs> this, this amazing life. And he taught and he healed and he, he performed miracles and he did awesome stuff. And he loved. He taught us how to love. And then the Roman soldiers went and they beat him and they hung him on a cross. And when they hung him on that cross, his arms were open wide. And he knew that we weren't worthy. We couldn't handle taking care of our own sin. And God sent him down here to hang on that cross to die for all that sin. For all the bad, for all the things that aren't good in this world, Jesus hung there on that cross and died. And he died, and he was put in a grave, and he was risen again so that we could have life. He was resurrected so that we can be resurrected and have life in him. It doesn't mean that life is going to be hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy road here on this earth, because we are in the flesh, and this, this world is ran by Satan, just like you were saying, but when we have Jesus, we have hope. We have something to look forward to. Each and every day we get up out of bed and know that it's a new day that He gave us and we can go to work for Him and what He wants us to do. And when we're done on this earth, He has a place for us. He has a place for us to call us home. And so, Elliot, my answer to your question is I'm guessing that Jesus probably knows how many hairs are on your head. But it's not about how many hairs are on your head. It's a fact that He cares enough to know how many hairs are on your head. That's our Jesus. That's right. Heavenly Father, I just thank You this morning for Your Word. <clears throat> I thank You for um, its power, God, that it's it's a sword that can pierce us, that it can get to our soul, that it can get to uh, the depths of us, Lord. And I, I just thank You that You um, spoke this to me. Lord, I thank You that uh, You answer. And then. When we ask that that you were, you were there with an answer. We have to open our ears and and lean into you, Lord. I thank you for your word that we can dive into it. I thank you that you have, you have the ability to hear our prayers and you and you, you bottle those up and you know and you will answer them. God, I thank you for sending your Son Jesus Christ to die for us on this cross. God, I thank you for caring for us so much that you even know how many hairs are on our head. But the, the, the fact that that doesn't matter. Just the fact that you care so much to know that the smallest. The smallest things about us, Lord, nothing is a secret to you. God, I thank you for for the hard teachings. The things that are, are hard for us to comprehend when we dive into them, Lord, we know that it's so that we'll understand how important it is to understand how important we are to you. God, let us lean into you. Let us know you more. God, if there's anyone in this building today that needs prayers, I just pray that they that I come forward and find me, or someone in the back that that we can pray with them, Lord. And this morning, I just uh, I just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Stand with us, insane.